Let us pray. Lord, we come before you this morning from all kinds of different places and circumstances, and we unite our hearts in worship now, asking that you illumine our minds and our hearts as we approach your holy word, that you reveal your truth and your will in our lives to us. In the name of your Son, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Now, our scripture today comes from two different places, one from the book of Hebrews, the other from the book of Judges. Uh, I invite you to bear with me. Uh, This passage from Judges is one of the many where there are a lot of strange names, and yet there is a story to be told, and God will speak one way or the other. So first from Hebrews chapter 11, verses 32 to 34. And what more should I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets who, through faith, conquered kingdoms, administered justice, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched raging fire, escaped the edge of the sword, won strength out of weakness, became mighty in war, and put foreign armies to flight. And now from Judges chapter 4, verses 4 to 9. Now Deborah, a prophet, the wife of Lapidoth, was leading Israel at that time. She held court under the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim, and the Israelites went up to her to have their disputes decided. She sent for Barak, the son of Abinom, from Kadesh and Naphtali, and said to him, The Lord, the God of Israel, commands you, Go, take with you ten thousand men of Naphtali and Zebulun, and lead them up to Mount Tabor. I will lead Sisera, the commander of Jabin's army, with his chariots and his troops to the Kishon River, and give him into your hands. Barak said to her, If you go with me, I will go. But if you don't go with me, I won't go. Certainly I will go with you, said Deborah, but because of the course you are taking, the honor will not be yours, for the Lord will deliver Sisera into the hands of a woman. So Deborah went with Barak to Kadesh. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. God, as we gather this morning, we pray that you reveal yourself to us that you help us to draw closer to you through your word. The words of my mouth are anointed by you, and that as we leave this place together this morning, Lord, that you will show us your will for our lives. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Terms and conditions are a part of our society that we don't really pay too much attention to more often than not. Terms and conditions are used in all kinds of places for job descriptions, and uh, they're primarily experienced for me uh, through technology. Uh, Terms and conditions have changed a lot over the years, but when I think of terms and conditions, I always think of my teenage years, which to the teens was a long time ago, and to the rest of you think it was last week. But as a teenager, I would often find my parents' credit card Uh, And then I would log on to what's called iTunes, for the young people in the room, or onto an Xbox, and I would secretly put in that credit card information so that I could buy music or buy new games. And every time before you finish that purchase, you have to check a box that says you read the terms and conditions. And we all know in this room, uh, we could have added it to the prayer of confession this morning, that we do not often read those terms and conditions. 
Uh, in 2023, they have figured out some new ways to make sure you can't move forward without making sure you read the terms and conditions. So now you can't just say you read them. They make you scroll through them, which is interesting because all we do is click it, scroll for about 72 pages, and then check the box that we read them. We don't often read terms and conditions. Uh, but this story today is one of terms and conditions. Uh, we've been going through Hebrews chapter 11, which is a, a passage in Scripture that tells us about the faith of so many characters from Scripture that will inspire us and move us. And the author of Hebrews is trying to, to give us as much as, as they can. But at this last part, the author just says, oh, I can't tell you all these stories. It'll take too long. And so then it, it lists out a couple extra names and the other week we heard a sermon about Gideon, who's also one of the judges, and this morning we're hearing about Deborah. But in our passage today, to, to expand a little bit about what the book of Judges is all about, we have to step back and think about that uh, from the vantage point of the Israelites. The Israelites, in their journey, they had been in Egypt, and then Moses led them out of Egypt, and they got to the wilderness, and they were trying to get to this promised land. And, and so from Moses, the, the leadership of Israel went to Joshua, and then as Joshua is leading the people into the promised land, Joshua also passes away before the task is complete. And the author of Judges in the first chapter, which we did not read this morning, says that there's this difficulty that happens it happens to Israel, but it happens to us too, is that when the leader left, that Israel started to slip into the ways of sin, that Israel started to do what was evil in God's sight. In fact, the way the author describes it is that when Joshua passed away, that the people of Israel, a new generation was coming up that had not known the Lord and did not see what the Lord had done. This was a new generation of people that did not come out of Egypt, that did not live in the wilderness. They were now experiencing what it means to be part of Israel, but without the experience of knowing God. And so the author of Judges says that this cycle continues over and over again, and that while each leader would rise up amongst the people, when that leader would pass on, the people would relapse and revert to the way they had been living before. And so as a result, each of these judges were called upon to be the leaders that God would use to help guide the people back to the right way of living. And that's what brings us to our text today, where we hear about Deborah. And Deborah is an interesting character in Scripture for a number of reasons. Uh, first is that Deborah is the only female judge listed in Scripture. What's also interesting about that is that the author of Judges felt no need to explain why she was allowed to be the leader of Israel. It seemed clear. She was wise. She was just. She was called upon to lead the people. There was no confusion from the people. She was viewed as the leader. But beyond that, what makes that a little bit interesting is that Deborah is also described as a prophet, the only judge described as a prophet. And sometimes the word prophet can slip us up a little bit in that we think of fortune-telling or something along those lines. But in the Old Testament, prophets were the people that were helping to discern God's will and helping to lead the people of Israel where they found themselves now. 
prophets were saying, this is what Torah, what those first few books of the Bible has laid out as what it means to live as the people of God. But now in this new circumstance we find ourselves in, whether we're at war or we're in a new land or we're enslaved or it's 2023, we look back to what God has already done to help us inform ourselves about what we should be doing now. The same way that we look at Scripture as a people now. So Deborah was a woman and Deborah was a prophet, but the third thing that makes Deborah interesting is particularly in the context of our series of living faith, looking at Hebrews 11, is that if you were paying attention, as I know all of you were, in Hebrews 11, Deborah's name is not mentioned. The author of Hebrews starts to list off. He says, I don't have time to list everyone's names, but here are a few, Gideon and Barak. Barak wasn't even a judge. Barak was the extra character in this story. Barak was the one that Deborah calls upon to give a command to. But Barak was not the leader. He was not the judge. So why would Hebrews 11 list Barak's faith and not Deborah's? Now, I'm not going to be able to tell you the motivations of an ancient writer, uh, but I can hopefully give us something to point at or aim at a little bit. As we think about the echoes of Barak's story and the stories we see around us, what makes it more interesting that Barak's name is listed in this, uh, this hall of faith is that Barak's faith was not all that perfect in the story in Judges 4. Deborah calls out to Barak. He's summoned. She says, you are called to lead this army to go conquer this, this tyrant named Sisera. And Barak's response is one of terms and conditions. He says, I'll go if you go, but if you're not going, I'm not going. It's conditional. And if we're honest with ourselves, I know for myself at least that that is often the way I view God's will in my own life, on my conditions, on my terms. I will follow God if I get the things that I believe I deserve. This is unfortunately how many of us end up living in our journeys of faith because we think we need assurances. The story of Barak, it was he wanted to make sure Deborah would accompany him in this battle. Apparently, Deborah was not only a wise leader and a wise ruler and a just person, but also someone you wanted with you on the battlefield. But beyond that, we all have conditions too. We'll embrace this faith. We will follow if, and then we list our terms and conditions. I'll continue worshiping and following in this faith if, you promise financial stability. I'll continue following in this faith if I get that job that I'm hoping for. I'll continue following in faith if church looks and sounds and, and feels the way I want it to. But if my terms and conditions aren't met, then, then I'm not going to continue on. And it makes sense. Many of us, it's the human condition. We're, we're built to want assurances. We, we seek out safety and rhythms, and routines, because it it provides comfort. But that's not exactly what's promised in the life of faith. Throughout Scripture, what we see in all of the examples of Hebrews 11, but, but even beyond those characters, is that the journey of faith takes us to unexpected places with twists and turns we couldn't have planned for. And in our own lives, we know that to be true as well. The call to faith is not this golden ticket that if you embrace and walk in faith, then you'll have all of the answers to all of the questions you've ever had in your life. The call to faith is a call to uncertainty at times. It's a call to mystery. 
It's a call to vulnerability. It's a call to walk when you don't know what's supposed to happen next. But it's a walk of trust. That the God who calls us and leads us forward is good and has a plan beyond our knowing. Sometimes the most faithful thing we can do is just move forward, trusting that God will lead us where we're supposed to go. And that's what makes Barak's listed name in Hebrews 11 so interesting, is that he was not the example of this perfect faith. In fact, his faith was hesitant. I will go if you go with me. But perhaps that's why the author of Hebrews 11 includes him. Maybe our faith is not supposed to be as perfect as some of these characters in Scripture on day one. Maybe we grow in our journeys of faith together. Maybe we encourage and empower one another so that one day we might have the faith of a leader like Deborah. But maybe this morning you are more like Barak, showing up with your terms and conditions. The beauty of this story is that in this imperfect faith that Barak is met not with being chastised by Deborah, but rather with grace and honesty. See, Barak's response reminds me of Mark chapter 9, where there's a man who wants to see his son healed, and and Jesus' response is that if you believe, then anything can happen. And the man's response to Jesus is, I believe, help my unbelief. Sometimes like this man in Mark 9, sometimes like Barak, the best that we can muster up is just to show up and say, I can't do it alone, but I'll do it if you go with me. Now, Deborah's response to Barak is that, yes, this is still going to happen. Certainly, I was going to go with you all along. But now that you've chosen this course... The course where you are giving an ultimatum or that you're giving terms and conditions to God. Now that you've chosen this route, the honor in this victory won't be yours. Instead, this enemy, this Sisera, is going to be delivered into the hands of a woman. It seems from this story that God is going to enact God's will in the lives of those around us one way or another. And he's inviting us to be a part of that journey. But if we choose terms and conditions, if we choose the bargaining, if we choose to try and have things on our own terms rather than embracing the will of God in faith, even in the uncertainty, then it seems while things still will happen, they might not go the way God had intended them for us. Sometimes the route that we think is best with all of our planning and concerns, is not, in fact, the route God had planned for us. Sometimes the route was much more dangerous and confusing, but it led to something better. In Deborah's response, she says that, Barak, now the the glory will not be yours, but rather the enemy Sisera will be delivered in the hands of a woman. And we as readers today might be thinking that means Deborah, and I'm sure Barak thought that as well. But if you keep reading in this chapter, Judges chapter 4, to the end, There's a plot twist at the end. It's not Deborah's hands. It's kind of like one of those bad mystery shows where you're trying to figure out who did the crime. And in the last five minutes, they just introduce a random character. And they're like, it was that guy. You're like, well, I don't know why I just watched this for 45 minutes. Well, in the end of Judges chapter 4, there's another person introduced. It's another woman, and she's another outsider. It's the wife of some guy that doesn't matter. Her name is Jael. 
And the reason why she's significant is that she's the outsider, she's the ally of the enemy tribe that Israel is going to war with, and she is the one who ends this war. She's the one who delivers this man, Sisera, into the hands of the Israelites. It was the woman, Jael. It was the outsider. It was the person viewed as lesser than. We heard a sermon a few weeks ago about Rahab, a person who was viewed as an outsider, lesser than, whose society in her own culture, who because of her ethnicity, was viewed as different than. And it was through that same kind of person that God enacted God's will. It seems God gets God's way one way or the other. We've been invited into this journey of faith together. We've been invited and called to lead the lives as people called image bearers and beloved. Invited into the the holy work of building the kingdom of God. But we're not doing it alone. We've been invited to join in the work. And like Jael, like Rahab, like Deborah, like Barak, we've been called and we can either listen to the call in faith or we can respond with hesitancy, with terms and conditions. In each of our lives, we've been given different gifts and different talents and different passions. And it's these things in us that enable us to see God's will done in our lives in ways that perhaps we never could have imagined. The, the passages throughout the book of Judges are difficult at times. There are stories of conquest. There are stories of, of misguided worship. There are stories of people getting it wrong. And yet, in all of these instances, the, the refrain is that even when the people are getting it wrong, that God is still working in their midst. Even when things seem to be going completely off track, that God raises up new leaders amongst the people to lead them forward and calls them along too. Maybe this morning you don't find yourself in the position of the faithful Deborah who is just and wise. Maybe you feel more like a Barak who with hesitancy says, I'll show up, I'll follow, I will live out this faith imperfectly because I'm just not there yet. The beauty of these stories is that God meets Barak where God is. God continues to use Barak despite his hesitancy. God continues to work in his life regardless of his hesitancy. And Deborah's response shows that even in the midst of trying to figure out what to do, that God is still going to work. God is inviting us into this call to ministry, something that we share together to spread the good news. We, we talk about week to week what it means to be followers of God. It means to be people that live and serve in our communities, to, to love our neighbors as ourselves, to share this good news that we talk about. We practice the fruits of the Spirit, of love and joy and peace and humility and self-control, and we do these things because it's what we've been called to do as image bearers. But make no mistake, we've not been called to be good people. That's not the goal of the faith. It's not why we follow Jesus We don't show up and try to be the best version of ourselves to say, now we're good. No, we go in relationship with our God, and we live as image bearers, and we do our best to walk humbly with our gods because we know that as God is calling us and leading us forward, that God is the one who perfects us, who makes us good, who shows us the path forward, who lets us leave behind the things that have weighed us down in the past so that we can get onto the path he's called us to. 
In Hebrews 11, the entire chapter is spent laying out story after story after story of people of the faith that have gone before us to show us what our faith journeys could look like, how wrong they could go, how right they could go. But in the next chapter, in Hebrews chapter 12, the author writes this. He says, therefore, based on all that stuff I just said, all those stories of people like Deborah and Gideon and David and Samuel. He says, therefore, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, people that are telling the stories of what faith can be, he says, let us also lay aside every weight and sin that clings so closely and let us run with perseverance the race of faith that's set before us, looking to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. We are not called to show up on day one with perfect faith. We're not called to show up and expected to have all the answers. Instead, we're called to walk in faith. It's Jesus who initiated, who authored that faith in us, and it's Jesus who perfects that faith in us. And on the days when you struggle the most, the seasons when things seem to go the most awry, know that God is still walking with and calling you forward. Because this faith is a lifelong journey. We run it with perseverance. That's why we come together in community and remind ourselves through the scriptures, through our music, through our liturgies, through our prayers of the good news of this gospel that God has called us to more than we can imagine. That God sets us free of the things that have held us back in the past and that God leads us forward into the kingdom he'd always intended us to be a part of. May we have the faith of someone like Deborah May we even have the imperfect faith of someone like Barak so that we can still walk and trust that God is not done, but rather that God leads us from where we are. May it be so. Amen.